How was your vacation? It was delightful. I, now that I live, I've always liked big cities, but mm -hmm. now that I live in a small town, I do appreciate visiting bigger cities helps me. Like it helps me kind of recharge and get new ideas and get creative. And um, I loved visiting bookstores and learning, doing historical things. Jordan and I love to do museums and things when we travel. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I came home and I hadn't driven a car in like a week and a half. Oh. And I was like, oh, if only there was a subway to take me into Tallahassee right? for my dentist appointment. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Macklin and I were just talking about this. Like, I wish we didn't have to drive cars because one, they're terrible for the environment. Two, they're terrible for us when we have to take care of them. Yeah. Three, they're terrible when we have to go places and do it ourselves. Like I was sitting on the subway thinking, look at all these people reading. Mm. Like it, I would get so much done. Like, that's what I kept transit. thinking. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. We took the train from Philadelphia to New York, so it was an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And Jordan and I just kept looking at each other like, "What? Like this is amazing." People do this, but because we are so, mm, we're just so far south. Yeah, we're so far removed. I think about this like, I wish I could do like fiction audiobooks because I would listen to so much on my way here. Mm -hmm. I can't and so I just stick to podcasts and that's fine yeah mm. I don't know public transit the south needs to get on it get on it I mean Atlanta has it Atlanta has it the problem is it's so spread out down right. here like right. but I but yesterday when we drove to church and then today uh when I drove to my dentist appointment I just kept thinking a high-speed rail between Tallahassee and Thomasville <laughs> that would go over really well oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Super fiscally responsible. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, we can get Leon and Thomas County on board on with this. Yeah, I think we got an idea. Let's pitch it. Ready. Welcome to episode 104 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I read books this month. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. January is over. It is. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about recording this podcast earlier, I was like, man, and then Wednesday is April, um, which is not true. No, my face, I think, just, <laughs> I literally looked at you agape. <laughs> January is over, and it's already April. Um, but no, for real, January is over. And what a January it has been. I every year I think January is the slow month and it is in terms of like sales inside mm -hmm. the bookstore but when you think about inventory and even though I did not go to market this year I'm still in the process of like placing orders right catching up on taxes and receipts from 2016 like January is not some laid back no month it's and, like, it's a new semester for you. Right. And it's a new staff schedule. Right. So there's just a lot. Like, I always look forward to February because, well, A, February is my birth month. Right. What up? And then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I also think it's kind of my new year. Like, when everybody else, I feel like I actually am quiet and contemplative in February. January, I try to do those things, but I'm so busy finishing 2016. And I wonder stuff. if... I mean, January is the beginning of the year is a relatively new concept in terms of calendar. It mm -hmm. used to, the year used to start with spring in March. 
Which uh, honestly makes so much more sense, and why don't we just do that? It does, because winter just seems... And I, I don't mind winter. Like, a lot of people hate it. Well, we live in the South, where yeah. it's really mild and great. Oh, that's true, but I did just get back from Philadelphia and it's New true. York, and I love that kind of <laughs> stuff. The only thing I didn't love was when it was cold and rainy and not snow. Right. That would get old, and it got dark at 5 p.m. Yeah. You guys, up in the north, how do you do that? <laughs> like, the darkness was worse than the cold The darkness. To me. Yeah. Anyway, so January is a little bit... It's a little bit more hectic mm -hmm. than I think I remember every year. It's not... It's not a fun month. No, it's not. So, we love you, January, but we're happy to see you go. Bye. <laughs> um, but I did get a lot of reading done this month. Yeah. Which was pretty fun. Um, after reading, mm, what... Two books in December? Sounds right. Maybe. Uh, I was able to read six books this month, and I have started to keep track of them on Instagram. Um, we talked about that mm -hmm. in one of our previous episodes, and so instead of doing something like Goodreads, I'm tracking my books on Instagram. So if people are curious, the hashtag is AnnieReads2017. And I read six books and posted six little reviews, so thought we would go through them today. That's pretty good. And All you right. read. So. Yeah, I read two books, which like... That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's not good for you, apparently. But... <laughs> well, you and I lead very different <laughs> lives. That's true. Let's be fair. Um, the fact that I that I finally had time to sit at all and read That's right. was great. That's, and I, this is your second job. Right. This is my, my first job. Right, and that's, that's the big difference. That is the difference. But my goal was one, and I did two. Well, there you go. So, Look at you. Hurrah. Overachieving. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> so, I started the month with... I don't want to be ashamed by what I've read, but no. I, I read The Underwriting um, by Michelle Miller. Okay. I picked it up because I was about to go to my in-laws, and I needed something escapist and light and quick, like okay. something that would kind of hold my attention. Um, the Underwriting, the cover, I just have to give the tagline because yeah, please, I kind of picked please. it up as a joke. The tagline is... What if swiping right is swiping wrong? Oh. <laughs> and it came into the bookshelf. Why? Yeah, it came into the bookshelf, and I thought, someone on our staff has to read this. <laughs> like, I must know. And I was willing to, to take the bullet for everyone. And so I grabbed the copy from behind the register, took it with me. Here's the thing. It is, of course, as you would guess, Lifetime movie-esque mm -hmm quote-unquote chick lit whatever whatever you're thinking based on that tagline you're correct gotcha. except there's also this very large financial element so the author used to work on wall street okay. and the book is about a social media dating website that wants to go public and go on you know on wall street whatever the proper terms there are i don't know um and i thought the book wound up being this really kind of fun mix between the social network and the big short. Mm. So like, okay. and because of her financial expertise, the writing wasn't fantastic, but when she was in the zone of writing about money and finances and the ins and out of wall street, it was really good because clearly that's her area of expertise. Right. And I loved reading the author's note after I'd finished, and I wish, and if you are going to pick this book up, I'd recommend reading that first, because the author's note talks about how she, um, I think, was a student at Harvard, some big Ivy League school, and she went to a lecture by the writer, producer, director of ER, and oh. she 
she went in and sat and she went up to him after and said, I'm thinking about dropping out of, she was in like some finance business program. I think getting her MBA or something like that. And she was like, I think I'm going to quit because I really just want to write. And he said, the best thing I ever did for my writing career was go to medical school. Mm -hmm. And so she stuck out her MBA and then wrote this book. Because it's about the experience more than the technical craft aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. So it's this book was completely out of my typical literary fiction genre, but I enjoyed it. Like, And I do think the cover and the tagline kind of give it a disservice because there are parts of it that are heavier mm. than that than that tagline would imply. Like, you're learning the ins and outs of Wall Street and what happens when a company goes public and the nasty, oh, so much nastiness, like, that goes on when, like, this, the Silicon Valley crowd meets the Wall Street crowd. I mean, it's... Oh, okay, so now I'm thinking HBO's Silicon Valley with the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's accurate, because, like, it's these Wall Street guys which have a very certain personality, and then she also writes about some women who are trying to make it big in the Wall Street world, and women trying to make it big in Silicon Valley. Right. So there's all these different things at play. Again, the writing wasn't awesome, but I liked it, and if if chiclet is your genre, then this one would certainly work for you, and if it's not, there are other parts of this that are pretty compelling. All right. So, yeah, the underwriting. The underwriting. And who's the author? Uh, the author is Michelle Miller. And is that out now? It is. Out in paperback. It just released in paperback in January. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, the next book I read oh, w- yeah. was The Folded Clock. And maybe you could help me pronounce her last name. Oh, I... Heidi Julevitz? I'm going to say Julevitz or Julevitz. Yeah. She apparently is a published. I don't know if she's a best-selling author, but she's a recognizable name. Mm -hmm. I was not familiar with her, but the folded clock kept coming up in different, I don't know, Instagram feeds or different conversations I was having. I think you had told me... Uh, CJ Hauser loved it. Yeah, and I kept seeing it, but honestly for a while thought it was fiction and just kind of kept putting it off, and then I realized it was a memoir. Um, It is the author's compilation of two years' worth of diary entries, and she's obviously rearranged them Um, a little bit, but I thought really well written, an interesting look at just what normal adult life looks like. So there aren't, there's not this climactic moment, the plot doesn't follow really any type of Mm storyline, it's just this woman, this author who decided I want to look at what my ordinary life looks like over a span of two years. And she kind of arranged the the int- journal entries to kind of make the most narrative sense, I guess. But I loved it. I loved the concept of it. Yeah. It made me want to be more more loyal, more, I don't know, better at keeping a journal, I guess. Because I think so often, eh, nothing happened to me today. Right. But stuff happens all the time. Right. <laughs> and interesting stuff and funny stuff. There is this scene... Okay, which this is bizarre, and so this, of course, does make a good story. But there's this diary entry or journal entry where she is remembering being on a flight, and she needs to use the bathroom, but she's stuck in the window seat, and the mm-hmm. two her two seatmates are asleep. Mm. So she decides <laughs> to pee in a throw-up bag. What? Yeah, a girl. Like, I'm sorry, but our equipment is different. Like <laughs> That would be difficult for a man, too, for yes, the record. Yes, but, like, on The Office, Dwight just goes in a in a Coke bottle. So I just, I feel like, mm. I feel like other things are at play there. But, but in a seat, like, 
in that tiny... So, like, she moves yeah. herself off the seat. I guess I did pee, like, in a coffee cup while stuck in traffic on I-10. That's time. what I'm talking about. Like, right. women can't do that. Well, I mean, it was hard. Well, sure. <laughs> I'm, but women, that's, like, pretty sure. much impossible. Right. Unless we maneuver ourselves. And that's the whole point right. is she's, right. like, trying to get herself out of the seat. <laughs> that diary entry... I mean, Jordan was laying next to me in bed. What are you laughing at? And I was like, wait till you hear this. <laughs> so, so I love that there are moments of like hilarity and just funny just snippets of her life and then there are also really poignant moments Mm -hmm. and then what most of us might consider dull or boring moments um but I really liked it quite a bit and I thought the writing was fantastic and so the praise to me was earned I I I think I gave it I gave it four stars four stars on my uh super professional Instagram out of ten Five. Out of five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was The Folded Clock by Heidi Julevitz. And it's a beautiful cover. It's gorgeous. Like, I bought it. Like, I, guys, I'm a bookstore owner, and I bought that book. I feel like you buy a lot of books, I though. I do buy a lot of books. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan's like, why? You own the store. Well, it's fun is to look at all of our, like, accounts on the register to see how much we've all spent at the store. Is that fun, or is that mortifying? Uh, kind of both. <laughs> It's a little bit more to But then you look at some of the regular customers and it puts it all in perspective of how much they actually thank, spend. Yeah, thank goodness somebody else is spending a ton. Uh, so the next one is one that we've talked about reading for a while. Yeah. Um, it was one of the best of last year on a lot of lists. I and I think it was nominated for the National Book Award but didn't win. That's right. It was a finalist. Um, throwback, The Throwback Special by Chris Bockelder. Oh, that's good. I was thinking Bachelder. Oh. <laughs> but Bachelder's better. Okay. Well, regardless, the throwback special, I put off reading this, and one of our listeners, I think, will know why. So one of our customers, loyal podcast listeners, hated this book. Mm. And so I specifically was like, then I don't need to read it, because he and I have very similar reading tastes, and I was like, man, I don't I don't need to read it then. And then Hunter, one of our other um frequent podcast guests actually read it and he was like, no, I really think you'll like this. And it's short. Um, yeah, it's, it's not long at all. It's not long at all. And so I thought I can read that. Like I'll take that home. Um, it's a finalist for the national book award. If I had read it in 2016, it would have made my best of list. Aha. I thought it was brilliant. Like, and I know people like toss that term around, but the premise of it is that this group of adult men get together every year, once a year, to reenact this famous football play where okay. Joe Theismann breaks his leg, shin, oh. ankle. Oh, it's a ho- I googled the play mm, after. I'm not going to do that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Jordan, I thought Jordan was going to be ill. But I, but what, it was this super powerful television moment because it was live. And so it's one of those things where sports fans, I think, know exactly what play I'm talking about. Like, Jordan was familiar, at least with the major players in it. Um, so this group of guys gets together every year. This story is fictional. And they reenact that play. I I don't know why I love this book so much, except I really do like books about male relationships and male friendships because I don't think those get explored very often. Maybe that's just because I'm not reading those books. Right. Um, but I liked A Little Life for that reason. I liked Shotgun Love Songs for that reason. And I loved Throwback Special for that reason. Because I kept envisioning... The men in this book are much older. Um, they're in their 50s, so they're much older than Jordan and his friends. But like, I kept picturing, like, what if Jordan and his friends did this every year? Hmm. And like the mathematical approach these men 
place on like doing this lottery to see which player each man plays every year and all the rules that are involved because you can't get to play Joe Theismann every year. You can't get to play the man who tackles him every year. You have to rotate. I mean, it was this huge thing <laughs> and that it sounded just like something Jordan would be in charge of, like this lottery where all his friends like have to play different parts. And these men don't speak to each other any other time. Like they don't really communicate. <laughs> okay, I kind of love that. Aspect. Like they don't really communicate any other time of the year. Just once a year they get together and they kind of sort of catch up, but the whole point is to reenact this football play. And I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but there is this moment where so the whole book builds to the the actual reenactment and a couple of young people, I guess, who are like staying in the hotel where the men have all stayed are like, we hear there's going to be this awesome like football game. And so they go to like watch these men because they're kind of, they're kind of in awe of what they're doing. And they go and watch and they realize, oh, it's just, they're just doing one play. It's just a bunch of dudes. It's just a bunch of guys doing one play. (laughs) But the way this author, and I would love different perspectives on this. So Hunter loved it. Um, AJ Mueller, one of our customers did not. And I talked with AJ about it briefly. He just seemed like he didn't think it was that great. He preferred shotgun love songs if you want to read Mm -hmm. about male relationships. I thought this was realistic. I thought it was funny. Um, There are a couple of scenes where, like, I would even remember being on the beach with my mom. I'm sorry this episode talks about pee so much. But but there's this scene where this guy (laughs) says that his wife makes him pee sitting down. And, like, I was on the beach with my mom, and I was like, Mom. Do men pee sitting down? Sometimes. And so we talked about that, but it was, my mom was like looking at me like, what is bringing this up? And I'm like, let me tell you about this book, about these football <laughs> players. Um, I just felt like really funny, poignant again, and well-written. Just loved the concept, loved the approach the author took to the concept, had not read anything like it. If you want something kind of sort of remotely comparable Shotgun Love Songs is one I thought of, and The Art of Fielding. The Art of Fielding. The cover looks like The Art of Fielding. <laughs> the cover does look like The Art um, of Fielding. I thought I it wondered was, if was The Art of Fielding. Yeah, cover. I wondered if that was intentional. I kind of think it had to be. Yeah. Um, but the throwback special, I'm going to get Jordan to listen to it, and then I'll report back and kind of see what he yeah, thinks. Yeah, I would love to hear what Jordan thinks about it. Yeah. All right, what's next? Okay, so the next book I read was... American Fire by Monica Hess. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. I read so many good books this month, actually. (laughs) I'm just realizing. Um, So this is a book. I am so sorry. It does not come out until July. Right. No, we talked about it last week. Yes. And we are going to do a better job of trying to remind listeners and customers of when books we love are coming out. Lots of changes coming on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, Keep an ear out. (laughs) Oh. Um, (laughs) So Monica Hess, Washington Post journalist, reporter, goes to rural Virginia, the coast of Virginia, to report on these arsons that have been taking place. 67 arsons in one county in Virginia. that's a lot. And it's a rural county much similar in size to Thomas County, where we are. And so I was very intrigued by that. And she was kind of investigating, but also covering the trial when they ultimately found the guilty party. And... It wound up being a boyfriend and girlfriend, almost like a Bonnie and Clyde situation. Okay. And that premise alone would be intriguing to me, but the fervor with which my Norton rep recommended this book to me, I was like, okay, send it to me and I will read it. So he sent me this bound manuscript. It is 
well written if you like journalistic narrative nonfiction. If that's not your thing, this might be hard for you, but I love that kind of stuff. So it reminded me kind of in tone of Ghetto Side. I think it's getting very favorable comparisons to In Cold Blood okay. or something like that. You and I have talked before, true crime, I feel like I have a love-hate relationship. This is the type of true crime I really love. Because not only did she delve into why this boyfriend-girlfriend destroyed these abandoned homes and, and hotels and pieces of this rural Virginia community, but also what led to that kind of desperation. Honestly, I have not read Hillbilly Elegy, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of the same themes from Hillbilly Elegy are in this book, like what the recession did to this community. Right. So American Fire, I loved this one. Um, it comes out in July. We will try to remind you of it. And then number five? five. Okay, so I finished off... I guess, with a couple of advanced reader copies. So American Fire, and then I read Himself by Jess Kidd. Uh -huh. That book releases in March. Again, we'll try to remind you. It is, it's a book that it took me a while to get into. So I thought it was going to be this page turner, and then it just was a little slower paced than I thought. But I think that might be because I find that, is this going to, I find that British and Irish writers take their time with things more than American writers. Hmm. I don't know that that's always true, but this one was not some page turner. Instead, it was kind of purposefully slower. Um, kind of reminded me of Kate Morton, um, Little Bee by Chris Cleave. Um, it is about a young Irishman who was abandoned as a child, mm -hmm. orphaned as a child, and comes back to Dublin um, to find out what happened to his mother, his birth mother. He has never found out. He just assumes he was abandoned. And then in a very odd twist of kind of folklore, almost magical realism, I'm not sure if that's the right phrase, but he sees dead people. Okay. Okay, so he returns to Dublin. The town is confused because they know what happened to his mother and they don't want to tell him what happened to his mother. So there's this mystery going on. There's this element of weird... He sees dead people. <laughs> and then there's just this story of this guy looking for his mom to find out what happened to this his This sounds so familiar, like exactly like something I just read or just watched, and I cannot place what it is. Well, I hope it was this. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe are you familiar with this book? I'm not. I mean, we talked about it last week. Yeah. But I don't think I'm thinking of that. Well, so I am recommending this mm. one for book clubs. Like, uh, that's one reason we've talked about it. Right. But I wanted to read it before before I actually try to put it in the right. hands of book club, book clubbers. Um, it's thick. It's a little slow at first, but I feel like once you kind of understand what's happening and you understand, oh, he sees dead people. Okay. Like, I feel like once you buy into what the author's doing, you will enjoy it. Gotcha. I really did like it quite a bit. I think I gave it four stars. Um, very different from what I normally read, but definitely something my book club would read, if that makes sense. So it's not something I would necessarily have picked up on my own, right. but it's one I think you might hear some things about in terms of um, of it being a good book club book. It's certainly one I will be recommending to our book clubs. And yeah, unique enough too where it's different from standard book club fare. So it has elements of light between oceans, language of flowers, mm -hmm. But it also and has also this, this like, weird... like, supernatural yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I... 
That sounds like something I'd like. I think you might. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to say that I tried to do this charitable thing where, like, I took ARCs on my vacation so that I could leave them throughout the towns <laughs> where I stayed. <laughs> so that book is in Philadelphia in an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, the last book that I finished in January, although I'm hoping to finish the one I'm reading right now, mm-hmm. is The Second Mrs. Hockaday. Yeah. Okay. So this is historical fiction, completely outside of my typical genre, but I mentioned it on the last podcast episode about book club books because when I found out what the premise was, I was very intrigued. So the premise, if you missed the last episode, is that this particular author was doing some research on Civil War, the Civil War, and found the story of this young major's wife who had a baby while he was gone serving in the war, conceived and had the baby while he was gone, and then when he came back, his wife was being taken away for murdering her infant child. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then the author, um, Susan Rivers, kind of imagines what that, what the story might have been behind that. So it's completely fiction, but she reads this kind of snippet and takes the story from there. I don't even think the characters share names or anything like that. Um, One thing to note about this novel, because I did not know this, and this is just lack of paying attention research on my part I immediately started it thinking okay I'm in this and it's it's all written in letter format okay and I thought epistolary yes I thought I do not know if I can do this um just because I was not in the mood for that well Virginia William is off at wall yeah. and I don't <laughs> yes <laughs> to bring back my character from last week <laughs> yes that's exactly I cannot what survive was. William away at war so she is writing her cousin um Mrs. Hockaday is writing her cousin after she has been taken away to jail. Okay. And the cousin is like, what have you done? Like, So there's please, already a dead baby. Yes. Okay. Please tell me what you did. We can help you. Like, what really happened? This isn't like you. And the story evolved in a way that I assumed that it would, meaning it wasn't... It was horrific but not scandalous, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, which is what I suspected. Sorry if that's spoilers. Um, but... Once I got into the rhythm of the letters and the language, because she's trying to be an 1800s Southern, like once I got used to that language, I really enjoyed it, particularly because I was in Philadelphia at the time of reading it and like some streets, like one of the, one of the letters was written from Lombard Street and I was like, Jordan, that's right up there. Like (laughs) I was very excited. So if you like history, if you enjoy reading books about the Civil War, this one certainly fits the bill. It was just different from what I anticipated. But still would definitely recommend to book clubs. There's lots to talk about when you finish it, um, as you might guess from the premise. And, yeah, I really liked it, and it reminded me why it's good to read outside of your genre. Right. This type of historical fiction is not my no. thing. But I read it, and I was like, okay, yeah, that was good. I liked that. So The Second Mrs. Hockaday by Susan Rivers, and that is out already. Yes, and um, we do have that in stock. Yeah, we have that in stock. And again, if you've got a book club coming up, I think that might be a fun that might be a fun one to read this winter. So, what about you? Okay, um, the first book that I read was *The Wanderers* by Meg Howery, um, which I liked a lot. Um, I got the ARC. The book is coming out in March. I want to say March twenty third, somewhere right around there, maybe fourteenth, something. But March, mid March. Um, I've been. Reading online, a lot of people are comparing it to Station Eleven, and I don't really know why. Mm -hmm. I think Station Eleven is kind of becoming this, like, 
buy a title for people who don't read anything that's kind of speculative fiction and it's like the one thing they have read so mm -hmm. then they just compare everything that's a little bit speculative to Station Eleven. People like me. Sure. Um, <laughs> and like, that's fine. I thought Station Eleven was brilliant and wonderful and I loved it. Um, I don't think this is anything like Station Eleven. Okay. But it's about these three astronauts and their families and these astronauts were chosen to go on the first manned mission to Mars. But before they're allowed to do that, they have to go on a, like, 18-month, um, like, really intense high-tech simulation. Okay. Um, so it's going to simulate every aspect of their trip, um, but in, like, a little bit shortened time frame. They'll only spend a week on planet instead of three months on planet, but the whole, like, flight there and back are simulated as if they're in space. Okay. Um, so it follows them as they're on this, this journey, in air quotes, um... But it also follows their families while they're gone. Okay. Um, specifically one family member for each astronaut and then one guy who works at the facility that's running the simulation. Okay. Um, to talk about anything more than that, I think, is to kind of spoil it. Yeah. But the premise is pretty The premise intriguing. is really good. So the book ends up being about, like, these characters' relationships to their... So it's, it's a daughter-mother, a father-son, and then a husband-wife. Okay. Um, so it ends up being about, like, your relationship with someone who is absent, and you end up thinking about, like, what do they think of me, and what do I think of them, mm -hmm. and do those images match? And does, and it becomes this kind of dominant theme of the book of, like, the simulation, okay. of, like, which aspect of, of how I consider this other person is, like, the real them versus what is what the simulation. What am I imagining? Right. Okay. Um, so I think it's great. I loved it. I read it in just a couple sittings. I think the end is a little rushed. Okay. Um, and I think a couple of the characters really could have been developed a lot more. Okay. Um, it, it's kind of clear to me reading it, just knowing what writing workshops are like, um, that like she may have envisioned this as being about two characters, mm -hmm. and then a publisher was like, maybe a little uh, oh, editing. gotcha. Um, and so she expanded it, because two characters are so good and so fleshed out, and the other ones are like, good and great, but right. not as good as the other two. Oh, I'm really curious about this one. I think you left this one on my desk. I did. I want you to read it, and then yeah. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I loved it. Um, the Wanderers by Meg Howery. It's out in mid-March. Um, the second one I read comes out Valentine's Day, and it's Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. It's George Saunders' first novel, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I thought 10th of December was a novel. It's not. Stories. It's a story collection. Um, so George Saunders is one of my favorite um, short story authors. I haven't actually read 10th of December, which is the one that everybody loves, um, although I do own it. Um, and that's embarrassing now, because I thought <laughs> that was a novel. Um, but Lincoln and the Bardo is his first novel, and like just based on some of his stories... That I read, it is very, it's like Saunders out Saundersing himself. It takes a lot of the themes that are found in like what I think is his best story, Civil War Land and Bad Decline, um, in that it's about ghosts. Um, all of the narrators are dead. Okay. I didn't know that because I tried to know nothing about the book when I went in. Um, and the first narrator died on the third page, and I was like, what's happening? Because you had no idea. Because I had no idea. But then I read the, the jacket copy, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> This the Bardo. The Bardo is this, like, um, kind of purgatory state, like, between lives. It's a Tibetan word. Okay. Um, so they're all ghosts, and they're all living in a cemetery. The whole book takes place um, in one night. Okay. And it's about Abraham Lincoln 
visiting the body of his dead son, Aww. Willie. Um, and what's interesting about the book, um, I should say right off, this is not a book for everybody. Okay. Um, I think it's beautiful and brilliant and I loved it, but it's very experimental. Okay. Um, there are dozens of narrators and they might switch mid-sentence. Okay, so it's not one of those things where like one chapter is told by somebody. No, no, no. One okay. chapter might be told by 12 different people. Okay. Um, but what's interesting about it is that it mixes like fictional narrators and like excerpts from historical like history books. Okay. Um, and each is like credited with an attribution as if it's kind of like a drama, except they're credited after they've spoken instead of having like, Willie said this. It'll be like, paragraph of fragmentary thoughts and beautiful writing, Willie Lincoln. So you know that Saunders wrote that, but then there are all these books, and then you have to wonder which of these books are real and which are mm. false, or, and, or fictional. Um, so I would compare it a little bit to Infinite Jest, honestly, mm -hmm. um, with the like kaleidoscope of narrators. Um, I would compare it to any George Saunders story, but specifically Civil War Line and Bad Decline. Um, I don't know what else to compare it to. It's not like anything else I've ever read, other than those two things. Would I like it? Um... If you can get past the first 50 pages, I think you'd like it. Okay. Because the last, it looks a lot thicker than it is because there's so much white space on every page. Well, and the, the you sent me, you texted the me. Paragraph like the paragraph I sent you. And it was so beautiful. Yeah, and it really is. Yeah. It's a novel about grief. Okay. Um, and about these ghosts who, I mean, it's not really even a spoiler to talk about, but these ghosts who don't want to admit that they are dead. Okay. Um, so it takes them, like, seeing Willie Lincoln and seeing... Abraham Lincoln come to visit his body to, like, come to terms with their own mortality. And I think it's kind of about, like, how do we love something or someone when we know that they're not going to be here forever? Mm. Um, how do we make the most of the time that we have? Like, I think it's beautiful and so good, and, and I loved it, but you really have to have an open mind okay. going into it. It's not easy to read for the first several dozen pages until you really get what's going on. Because right. it doesn't ever explain. Okay. So any not of what for I, everybody. It doesn't explain any of what I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll help people. I hope it does. Um, if my little um, description there helps you to try to figure out what it's about and will enable you to pick it up, I yeah, highly recommend new. it. I think it's beautiful and so worth reading, but not easy. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I love that you read something for fun. Me too. How exciting. That what are you reading right now? So I am reading Special Topics in Calamity Physics, Ooh. which I think you are going to love. I, I had no, I didn't know what this book was. So I went to Book Culture in New York City, which is one of my favorite bookstores I've visited because, well, this sounds narcissistic or something, but it reminds me of the bookshelf in that they do a lot of gifts. It just was helpful to go yeah. to a bookstore that is set up like ours. So obviously much larger scale, New York, um, but, <laughs> but helpful to see a bookstore that's doing gifts, product, and books really well. So they had a blind date with a book table, which we also have. Good. And I was like, hey, I want to do this. Like I just got done writing all the descriptions for our blind right. date with a book. So I was like, my turn. I want to take a blind date with a book. And Jordan was so skeptical. He was like, you probably will have already read this, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> and then I was so excited when I opened this book that I had never heard of. Had you heard of this? No. Okay. So it's Special Topics in Calamity Physics by Marisha Pessel. I will not talk 
too much about it in case it uh, comes up in February reading recap, but basically the three books that the book that book culture compared it to were, were The Help, um, Secret History, and Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Which are books that are not like each other even a little bit. No. So I understand the Secret History comparison is the most accurate in terms of content. I understand the Where'd You Go, Bernadette comparison. Not quite sure where the help comes into play, um, but... I am loving this book. It's thick. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's taken me some time to get through. But it's about a young woman who lives with her father. Her mother died when she was young. And it's her senior year at a very private, I guess, kind of elite school in North Carolina, I believe. So there's some elements. Maybe that's where the help comes in. There's some Southern culture okay, that seeps in. Southernism. Yeah, but... You would like this book so much. Um, the book opens with a suicide. Ooh. So, so, so. Man, that was. <laughs> Draw your own conclusion, listener. So, sorry. So, anyway, um, and the good news is I am alone in that I, we, you and I are alone and that mm. we have never heard of this because when I posted to Instagram, a lot of readers and listeners were like, oh my gosh, you're going to love this. So it came out in 2006. Those were my college years. So I did not do a lot of fiction reading. And I was college. in high school. But special uh, topics in calamity physics. What are you reading? I am reading another ARC. Um, it's called American War by Omar El Akkad. Um, he is a, he is an Egyptian born Canadian journalist. Um, and I think this comes out in April. Yes, April. Um, it's a, this one actually, I do get the station level comparison. It's actually blurbed by Emily Mandel on the cover. Um, it's set in 2075. Um, global warming has taken a toll on the geography of America. And the nation has split apart again with parts of the South, um, what they call... What did they call it? Mags? Yeah. It was Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina um, splitting off mm. because they want to keep using fossil fuels and everybody else has outlawed it. Interesting. Um, so I'm only a chapter in, I guess, I read one chapter and then I think between chapters there are like excerpts from a fictional textbook about the history of this world. Okay. And I enjoyed that part a lot more than the chapter that I read. Okay. But I'm going to finish it. I think the premise is great. Um, I'm excited to keep going, but I didn't love the prose to start. Okay. And I think that might just be first-time novelist, okay. journalistic writing adjustment, but the world that's been built so far has been really good. So I think I got one of those too, so I'm going to try it and we'll see. We'll do mini book club. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's bookshelfthomasville.com, where you can also find some of these titles available for purchase. And if you want to follow us behind the scenes, you can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram at BookshelfTville. If you have any questions about the podcast or comments or things that you want to know, or if you just want to tell me what you've been reading in January, please email me at inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com. And an apology for last week, I actually cannot find my 2011 book club syllabus. Um, several of you did email me and ask for it, and I regret to inform you that it is lost to history. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll send you the Bookshelf Book Club Guide yes. if you want that. Um, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week.